What is up, everyone? Welcome back. Show about sports. I'm your host, Griffin Proc. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for clicking on this episode. It's going to be a fun one. We're back talking about the NFL because guess what? It's playoff season once again. New week, new playoff teams. I say that like there's a whole new set of playoffs, but you know what I mean. Wild card in the books, and now we're on to the divisional round. Four teams left. Four teams left. That's not right. Eight teams left. As we head into this divisional round here, we're going to be kicking off going through the AFC. Then we're going to be going through the NFC, kind of like what we did last time. We're going to be talking about my five key points, big discussion topics that you've seen all week, maybe some stuff you haven't seen yet. Either way, you're really going to enjoy it, so stick around for that. Again, appreciate it to everyone that subscribed. If you haven't already, share it with your friends. I know we all grew up watching SportsCenter, and we just wanted to do that as adults. That's essentially what I'm doing here, just doing uh, what, what's on my mind. I'm just your average 20-some guy. That's what my attack line has been. So let's not waste any more time, though. I'm just blabbering, still trying to figure out how to do intros on these things. So without further ado, let's jump into this. Okay, game number one. We've got the Ravens versus the Texans. Going at it, the number one seeded Ravens and probably, maybe arguably, the best team in the NFL here coming off of a bye to take on the red-hot Texans. Kind of our biggest surprise of this season, let alone the playoffs overall, and I couldn't be more happy for them. Before we get too far into this, remember in the wild card round, I actually picked the Browns to beat the Texans. Overall, I went 4-2 and two in my picks of those games. I picked, I picked the Cowboys dumbly over the that's not even a word but dumb dumb of me over the green bay packers and then the browns over the texans so the texans are rolling into this week off of a lot of projections that they might have not won that game but a lot of people had a lot of faith it was kind of 50 50 when you kind of were looking at those betting lines there but people still tended to to favor the browns but this week it's time to actually consider if the texans are real because they have been real all season but they're playing the Ravens, so we, it's a whole different ball game playing Lamar Jackson, that defense, MVPs everywhere, versus the Browns, who had a fun story with Joe Flacco, but then we were reminded that all good things come to an end, and unfortunately, I think that uh, storyline is going to remain the same here with the, Tanks, with the Texans. A little bit had a schedule in my mind. I think this is going to be a fun game, but I think if anyone's winning the Super Bowl, my pick has always been the Ravens, and I think it's going to continue that way here. So let's go over the five key things that I wanted to talk about today. So here's why I'm confident in the Ravens today. They are ranked first in fewest points allowed per game, total sacks per game, and tied for most takeaways. Not sacks per game, total sacks on the season, and tied for the most takeaways this season. So essentially their defense is unreal. And we saw that in week one when these two teams actually did face off. Note, like everyone's noting, that was CJ Stroud's first game of his NFL career. So that's fair, we can write that off. But the Ravens have been this way all year. So we can actually look at it as that was a bad game for the Ravens overall in the first game, specifically on offense with Lamar struggling. But I don't see Lamar struggling in this game as he found his MVP form before anybody decided that he was going to be the MVP this year. So we look at Stroud. They went against a really great Browns defense last week, but they were able to shock them and move the ball a little bit and get a lot of defensive turnovers that helped turn the tide of that game in the overall momentum. The Ravens, they don't like to switch momentum. They just put the foot on the pedal and that's how they roll, which is why I think all of those stats are really important. If they can get to CJ Stroud in the quarterback and the just 
past the line of scrimmage, I see no problem with them uh, putting up a ton of points and not giving up a ton on the other side. Now, a big key for both teams, or both teams are going to try to establish the run game as that opens up the pass game overall. If you're new to football or don't know much about it, obviously a balanced offense goes a long way because if you can keep the defense guessing, that only helps your team. So, Both teams have been proficient on the run, specifically the Ravens, who have run more than they've passed this year. And so overall, both teams are going to try to establish the run. Who am I more confident in? I'm going to have to go with the Ravens because it's more of their identity, and it's more of their identity not just in their running backs, but also Lamar Jackson tends to run the ball, if you haven't heard. But there's CJ Stroud's ability to get out of the pocket when need be, and they also have Singletary and Damian Pierce who can run the ball as well. So... If I had to pick which run offense I liked better, I'm going to pick the Ravens, but I think the Texans are really going to rely on being able to get some first and even second down runs that are going to be very important. It's really going to come down to those third down plays. Can you get those third and twos? Can you get those third and fours? Can you also surprise a team, run a halfback draw on third and eight and pick that up as well? I think the run game is going to be important. So, This is my next point. It is the pressure from the Texans front going to be a key, but can they slow down Lamar? That's the thing. They've been able to get pressure, and they were able to get pressure on uh, Mr. Old Man Joe Flacco last week, but Lamar is a whole different beast. I mean, that man makes things. He runs in slow motion, but he's actually running full speed, but his upper body is just still while he's getting through the pocket with with ease and they've been taking care of business specifically with his legs in the last couple games of the year so I expect them with some rest to really rely on that and I don't know if the Texans have the bodies to stop them Will Anderson's going to be your best bet when it comes to that but and they were able to do that in the first game of the season but remember that was 20 years ago at this point so I think that is a huge key of the game. If Lamar is using his legs and they end up, say, with more rush yards than pass yards, that's exactly what the Ravens want to do, bleed out the clock, and win the game. Now, we go into my fourth point here. CJ Stroud is going to have to keep being phenomenal. Made a good, I mean great, Browns defense look bad. That's exactly what he has to do again. And that's a lot to put on rookie's shoulders. So kind of my point with this bullet point is, Does Stroud have it in him? Of course, but he is still a rookie. This is his first time doing everything, so he can get a little bit rattled when they get down when he is playing a team that is better than them. We saw with like the Colts, you could tell his kind of attitude was we are better than them, so he he held himself a little bit different way, but the Ravens, you get down to the number one team in the NFL, you might get a little bit shaken up. And I'm not saying he will. I just want that to be called out on the field. We might see him not be able to really contain his composure a little bit. Say they turn the ball over. Say there's some just some efficiency errors. But that's where D'Amico Ryans can really come in and make sure that the offense is not too too much for him. But that's what the Ravens defense does is they do like to confuse everyone with all of their different schemes. So CJ Stroud essentially has to keep being great for them to even have a chance. Now, my X factor for this game, like I kind of was doing last week, my X factor is actually for the Ravens because I think Isaiah likely is their tight end for anyone that doesn't know is going to be their biggest X factor because Mark Andrews is reportedly up in the air, game time decision. We're going to see. 
I'm leaning towards he probably won't play. And if he does, might be more of a decoy role. But Isaiah likely was Lamar's go-to target like Mark Andrews is. He loves his tight end checkdowns. And he loves the ability that Isaiah likely gives him to be able to go a little bit deeper. Mark Andrews is bigger, a lot more block focused, but Isaiah likely is a little slimmer, able to get down the field a little bit faster. So we were able to see a lot of big plays this year. Why I know that is because also he was on my fantasy team this year. When Mark Andrews went out, I went out and picked up Isaiah likely because who's ever up next, Lamar is going to throw it to him. So he's the X factor. Now I want to see what the Texans do to kind of stint and block him out of the scheme to make sure that he has to use his other weapons like his untested Zay Flower relationship, Odell Beckham, other people on the ground, some screens, whatever. That's what we'll want. That's what will benefit the Texans the most if Isaiah likely doesn't get going and gets about six or seven catches this game, kind of used as a safety bucket that could be big first down swings. So that is... Kind of my analysis on the game, a really quick preview like I want to do with all these games here. And that's all to say I'm taking the Ravens here. But don't hate me. I love CJ Stroud. I love Lamar Jackson more, though. I love the story that he's been able to show this year, always proving the doubters wrong. And I think there's going to be plenty of times for these two guys to go up against each other in the future. So I'm picking the Ravens because I think they're going to win. And I also want them to win because I love this kind of MVP Lamar. And I want him to break the playoff curse that is kind of hovering over his head going into this game. Okay, boom. That is the first game. May may not be the most exciting game on the AFC side because I don't know if you heard but the Bills are playing the Chiefs, and it's not in the regular season, it's in the playoffs. And if we remember those games, they might have been the greatest games to exist over the past 10 years or so. So, let's talk about this game. First thing to note, this game is being played away. Patrick Mahomes has to go on the road in the playoffs. Have you heard of him? No, he's never done that before, and he's going to Bills Mafia territory. Shout out to all the Bills Mafia fans, because they're going to make his life hell there. Will that deter him? Will that deter one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Likely, probably not, but it definitely is going to play a factor. If the Bills are going to win a game in the playoffs against the Chiefs, this feels like their best bet. They aren't the healthiest, but they're coming in with the most momentum they've had. And the Chiefs are with momentum, but still so many question marks. I mean, gosh, I can never feel confident about them at the end of the day other than being like, okay, they still have Patrick Mahomes, so they always have a chance. And their defense really stepped up this year. So let's go into the first bullet. Speaking of momentum, momentum. Both teams have it, but Casey has the mental edge. Sorry, I was trying to read my hand right now. I got to really get better at that. Casey has the mental advantage because they've won the last two times they faced in the playoffs. Nope, that's the only two times they played in the playoffs. Nope, they were both in KC as well. So you this has to be a factor. I, I know it doesn't have any statistical relevance in terms of this year versus the prior couple of years that they played each other in the playoffs. But, man, everybody remembers growing up playing AAU, football, basketball, anything. And there's always that one team that just is your thorn in your side. And that is you'd show up and you'd just be like, I, I don't feel great about it. Like I want to win, but are we no matter what kind of changes have taken place? And that's how I feel about the bills. Like, do they have the momentum or did they just kind of coast in here? But then they took care of business last week. So I'm like, I can't really say that they did take care of the business against the Steelers and a third round QB and Mason Rudolph. But 
I don't know. It, it Momentum has to be discussed. And for people that are just throwing that out, that's that not that's not a good way to analyze this game because these two teams rely on that and have relied on it kind of all year. Okay, next bullet point. Speaking of Josh Allen, let's talk about him not throwing picks against a great KC secondary. They won't give the ball back. That's kind of my quote there because KC is really going to try to limit possessions and play lower scoring game longer possessions, et cetera. And the Bills tend to like to get into a little bit of a shootouts. They they do a little bit better when you look at them statistically on offense. So Allen looked great last week, looked like MVP form. I swear I saw all the comments out there saying he was MVP. It's all great, and I love Josh Allen, believe me. But he has to do that again. He cannot make mistakes, not only through the air, but on his feet, because they're going to be coming after that ball every single hit. So if he doesn't throw picks, that's an advantage for the Bills, because when he does, I swear, I don't have the stat, but I swear they've won every game that he's not thrown a pick in. That's just, that just feels like a stat, you know? And with Patrick Mahomes, they don't want to get in the shootout. They don't have all the weapons in the world to go up against the younger um, but more in their prime bills, if that makes sense on offense. So I really think Allen is in his own right, his own biggest enemy. And so we're going to see what he can do uh, against this great Kansas city secondary, who's just been giving people fits all year. Now here is another, uh, bullet point here. We got defenses are dead, even on passing yards, rushing yards, points per game. So all of them, they're kind of a dead heat. It's kind of a moot point. So the Bills have the more explosive offense than the Chiefs. So you kind of want to give the slight advantage to the Bills when it comes to who's going to fare better against a great defense. Kansas City has the healthier defense, which helps them. Buffalo's been dealing with injuries all year, kind of like what I talked about last week. They aren't new to this. So they've been able to scheme and adjust and get other guys in at certain positions to hold the load while those guys have been hurt. So... I'm not really worried about the Bills' defense not showing up. They showed up against the Steelers. They've been showing up in this win streak they needed to win. Kansas City, on the other hand, has had a good defense all year. A lot of been people have been saying top five. I completely agree when it comes to that type of stuff. But their offense is really going to need to produce against the Bills' defense in order for anything to come to fruition. Obviously, we saw that crazy game that happened uh, earlier in the years where the Bills actually took down the Chiefs, which I think was huge for momentum in terms of what the Bills know they can do. But whole different part of the year. It's hard to really use those parts. I know I've referenced old games in some of these analysis, but just kind of a thought exercise there. Okay. Next bullet point is uh, Bills gave up the least number of sacks and Casey got the second most sacks this year. That's really important. Why the Bills gave up the least number of sacks is one, their offensive line is great. Two, Josh Allen is like Lamar Jackson, just a little bulkier and it just bounces off people and is able to evade stuff like this. I think he needs to do that again. He kind of had issues with that the first time that they that they faced. So I think that's kind of a... He, he, he sometimes plays Mahomes, and this is my personal opinion, and wants to go toe-to-toe with him in terms of passing because everyone thinks about a quarterback and they think passing. That's where you get all your you know stripes from. But he needs to remember, it can be an ugly run-the-ball game, and we will still view Josh Allen like we view Lamar Jackson, who's able to get off the line with his feet and wow all of us. So 
if he just doesn't take as many hits, I think we'd view his running a little bit better. So overall, they give up the least number of sacks, but the Chiefs come in and have the most number of sacks on the year. So they're going to be getting pressure on him all the time. And I think he, Josh Allen is going to have to make quick decisions quick. Like he just can't, he can't do the two, three second read. If it's not there and the middle opens, go through the middle, run, take the yards, you know, unless it's a third down and you got to get it going, you just got to go. And that's going to be the type of game today, not today, when this game is played, that I think is going to be really important to watch because if the Chiefs are able to get consistent pressure on Josh Allen all game, it's going to be hard to justify a win when he can never get settled because he already kind of has a weird off and on thing with his receivers going on throughout the last couple of weeks, specifically digs last week was better, but it's been a weird stretch. So I think that's a really important thing to call out overall. I know that thought process might've not fully came to fruition, but Hey, that's why we're podcasting. Just trying to figure it out. Okay. My X factor for this game is actually on the Chiefs side. And I think it's rice, the wide receiver, uh, for the chiefs in games like these, we need big plays, and we've seen that Rice is able to do that. Now, he's younger. That doesn't always bode well. They don't have that Tyreek kind of, if we need a play, get it to Tyreek. So Rice has to step into that role, even though it's a little bit different. He's not a speed demon necessarily like Tyreek. He, he's just going to have to make a play. I see this game coming down to one or two big third down turnovers that you need that ball back. You lose so much time. And if Rice can make those plays for Mahomes, this is going to be a different game. Obviously, we had a lot of wide receiver issues the last time these two played. We don't need to get into all of that. But that wasn't Rice. That was more Kadarius Tony on that. So I think Rice is going to be a huge X factor because this needs to be his like coming out game in the playoffs because the Chiefs are going to always be in this position. So if he wants to really take that step, and he's been showing this. I'm not saying he's not. He needs to be keyed keyed in on it for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes needs to trust someone in this game other than Kelsey. And so because they're gonna be they're gonna be trying to lock up Kelsey. So Rice is gonna have to be very important. So if the Chiefs want to win, I I need to see eight to ten catches from Rice to justify a win there because it's these defenses are so good at the end of the day. So with all that being said, and probably the best game of this weekend, if I had to predict. I'm going to take the Bills. I think there's a time and a place for the Bills to win. They have the momentum. They have the home field. They won the last time. Why not get a notch in the in the playoff victory uh, column against the Chiefs? And also, this might be a turning point for the Chiefs franchise. And I feel like they're playing with kind of that in their back of their head where the Bills are just like, they already know things are going to go bad if they don't win this year. There's going to be a lot of changes. So, leave it out all all on the field kind of vibe energy coming from that locker room. So I'm going with the Bills and this one. That wraps up the AFC. And again, I did just pick the two favorites. I know, whoopty, I did something crazy. No, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to lead you astray saying I think the other thing is going to happen because they're underdogs. And again, the other things could happen. So don't write it off. If you're betting, don't listen to this. This is just analysis. This is a game preview. This isn't betting. So that is the AFC. We're going to take a quick break, drink some water, then we'll be back for the two NFC games here. Okay, the NFC. We got two great matchups in the NFC that could feature some kind of new faces in the NFC Championship if we get to that point. 
but let's examine it before we go that far. So first game is going to be the Lions versus the Buccaneers playing in Detroit. Saw that funny press conference the other day that they were asking the Buccaneers head coach, how are you going to fare in the weather in Detroit? And he responded, well, the stadium's inside or whatever, something like that. And I just, I just had to laugh because it feels like there's been a lot of ice bowls, so I understand, but that reporter needs to check his facts there uh, to make sure he knows which games are inside or outside there. So let's start off with the first bullet. Goff versus the Bucks secondary, who gave up a lot to Hurts last week. Now, I know the Bucks won that game pretty handedly, but there was still some issues with the secondary in the Bucks. They need the problem is is that Eagles team was looking for a way to die and they figured why not play the Bucks and lose that way. That's how their season ended. But the Lions are in they're the most excited they've ever been in 30 years. So the Lions are not going to just be playing around and that energy is gonna be there. That's the biggest thing. And so the secondary has to has to ring it in. They they gave up way too much against the Eagles. I know the score doesn't show it that way, but when you're going away now and you're playing a team with a lot more momentum, you can't you can't be stagnant on defense and you actually have to get a lot of stops and three and outs more than you think. Like in that Buccaneers game, they did do that, but there was a lot of chunk plays that we saw that I didn't like. And if you do that against Detroit, they're just going to keep they're just going to keep hammering it. So that's my first bullet when it comes to the Bucks secondary is going to be a key for this game to watch. Keep everything in front of you. Don't let the big plays, but also, you know, maybe focus a little bit more on zone versus man if you can't keep up. Because, I mean, St. Brown is so fast, like Jameer Gibbs so fast. So just that's my just viewership kind of analysis of that first bullet there. The next one is the last place I'd want to play is Detroit. The fans are hungry, and it's going to be probably the toughest environment. Think of, I'm a Seahawks fan, so the Legion of Boom era was big and still is big anytime you play at Seattle Stadium. The stadium definitely plays a factor. The fans are into it. And Detroit has nothing but reason to be into it this year, and you can't say it's not a factor. It's going to be a factor, even though that stadium's not known for being super loud. It's indoors, so I can only imagine it's going to be super loud, everything ricocheting off the walls. But think about the quarterback coming into that kind of environment. You would think, oh, Baker Mayfield coming into that environment? I like that because he loves to go. If a wave's coming his way, he's going into that wave. So that's what you want. But he might get a little out of sorts in a sort of stadium like that. And I think that really played a factor for the Rams, as we saw, where Matthew Stafford, they were in that game. They could have won that game, don't get me wrong. But even he struggled with that kind of energy in that arena. There was a little bit more on the line for him. But Baker, same thing here. Comeback player of the year kind of caliber for Baker getting his new team here. He's been playing super loose and free, which is great to see. But in these types of games, you, you're you bound to get a little tense when you go into a situation feeling like there's a lot more on the line for the other team than there is for your team. So I'm interested to see how that plays a factor, but I don't see a lot of people talking about that. So I wanted to make sure I covered that uh, first. Now my third bullet here is balance, balance, balance. More confident in both teams if they can do that. If you can run and pass, again, like I was saying earlier, it opens up the entire playbook. Both of these teams rely on having an open playbook, especially the Bucks. So if they aren't both playing balanced, 
I I tend to see some issues with one of the teams winning. So when we think about the Lions, for example, they have a one-two punch in Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. They're going to hammer that home and only get to the play-action RPO stuff when they have to. Now, if the Bucks are able to plug those holes like they were able to kind of do against the Eagles, granted the Eagles have been struggling to run the ball for a while to end the season, that's going to make it so Jared Goff has to, you know, toss the ball around a little bit more and that's how you want to win that game put it in the QB's hands to throw if they're able to run it we saw it in other football games and college football and NFL if you can run all day the game's over and we've seen the Lions be able to win that way and they kind of won that way when they beat the Buccaneers the first time around uh, earlier in the season now, when we look at the Buccaneers side, we really saw White come into his own against the Eagles, playing with a lot of energy, a lot of things to prove, for lack of a better word. And so if they can do that as well, it's going to open up the downfield strikes to Godwin, to Ott, and to Mike Evans. So a big key for both of these teams, more than any other game, is balance, because you don't want to put it into your quarterback's hands for both of these two teams to carry the day. Now, here is my next one. Buccaneers need to get pressure blitz heavy Goff has the second most interceptions versus the blitz this year like I said you can plug the holes and then you can blitz on third down bring the house they kind of did this against Hertz uh in the Eagles game you find success Goff tends to throw a lot of interceptions when it comes to that and in playoffs games turnovers are so key I mean look at the Texans that's how they were able to run away with that game so that is a huge key for the Bucks uh overall I expect them to be blitzing, you know, 40% at least in this game due to that kind of statistic that's out there and probably the game film that they're watching in preparation. So if you see a lot of blitzing, just know they're doing it because Goff gets a little uneasy on his feet. He's he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most scrambly guy. I'm making up words left and right today. But And if they are words, let me know because maybe I'm just dumb. But... You know what I mean? It's like I don't trust Goff on his feet. If he has a clean pocket, which he's had a lot of this year because of his offensive line, he's great. But when you get him a little off balance, I trust the defense will make a little couple more plays than his wide receivers will have to uh, make the plays there. So that is my fourth bullet on uh, this game. My fifth bullet is the X-Factor callout. My X-Factor is going to be Mike Evans. In the last game, that the Lions played against the uh, Rams, we saw Puka rear his beautiful head again, absolutely dominating his, like his whole rookie season. I mean, geez, he came out of nowhere, but that's what the Rams do. They stumble upon greatness like Cooper Cup. Mike Evans can easily do the same thing to them. The Detroit secondary has been their biggest issue. Their front seven is great. Their secondary uh, banged up, injured, haven't really found a flow. So if Mike Evans is able to have a game like he's been having a, a, like a, many a times this season, I expect nothing but success on the Buccaneers' offensive side. Just look at all the plays that they were able to do against the Eagles. They were able to you know set it up, get everyone bunched up, get into a man coverage, and then beat them deep. Mike Evans is so fast, so long, he can get over anybody in that secondary there. So I think he's going to be a huge success for the Buccaneers. If the Buccaneers win, I wouldn't be surprised if they post-game interviewed Mike Evans because he had 150 yards and 10 catches and two touchdowns. Something like that needs to happen for the Bucs to really compete and really soften the environment that they're playing in. Nothing deflates a crowd more than a 40-yard bomb where a guy basically dunks on the other dude to catch the ball and walks in for a touchdown. 
Mike Evans has that ability. Baker has the arm to do that. So I think it's an X factor for that reason alone. But with all this great Buccaneers talk, I unfortunately am taking the Lions. Not unfortunately, because I actually love a new team in the mix. The Buccaneers have been in the mix because of Tom Brady. And I love, you know, Baker Mayfield's comeback as well. But I think this is the Lions time. This is the Lions time to be able to go to the next round and face the juggernaut, in my opinion, the 49ers. That's a little preview to the next pick. And I think it's a possibility here. So I'm taking the Lions on this one. But I could see it going other, uh, either way. This is one of those games where it's just like, ah, I'm not, you could convince me either way on a lot of these points I called out or other points you'll see out there. But overall, I'm taking the Lions. Okay, previewed the last pick of the day. It is the 49ers versus the Packers. This will be played in San Fran. And uh, I'm taking the 49ers. Like I said, let's just get out ahead of that. Now, this is coming from, as you just heard, a Seahawks fan. So this is not bias. This is not just picking the best team or the better team. I truly think this, and this is why. Let's go through it. Who has the best four? If you could think of four people on a team from running back to tight end to left tackle to wide receiver, for instance, a really random generic four, who would you think has the best in the league? I'm going to say the 49ers. McCaffrey being blocked by four by four Trent Williams is blocking for him with Kittle also blocking for him and Debo also blocking for him and then those two's ability to catch the ball anyway run fades run cross field run deep they also have Brandon Ayuk but we're doing an exercise of only four people I'm picking the 49ers when you think of that four I threaded that earlier in the year and a lot of people tended to agree there so if the 49ers they just have the star power when it comes down to it. When you think of Green Bay, you think of Jordan Love, but then you're like, okay, so let's name some other players. And you go to Aaron Jones. Think for the casual fan, you kind of get stuck there. You're like, wait, who are their wide receivers? You know, not that they're bad. That's just kind of the level. That's just kind of the difference in level. Now, Green Bay took care of business against Dallas, who had all those names last week. So we can't just write them off for that reason alone. But I think it's really important when you're doing the exercise of who would you take over who. You're going to pick the 49ers, probably 8 out of 11 on offense, you know, maybe uh, maybe 10 or 11 out of 11 on defense. Like if we think about it, when we just go head to head. We'll just have to, I'm just putting that out there for you. It's a thought exercise for anybody around. So, and if you're still listening, shout out to you because we're 30 minutes into this thing. I promise we're wrapping up soon. All right. My next bullet is love needs to keep up the momentum. But a top five secondary last week, he beat his top five secondary last week and they're going into not a top five secondary, but a team that is very easy, very good at getting turnovers. They lead the league in most interceptions this year. Now, Love is coming off throwing dimes for I don't even know how many weeks now in a row. And he's there's no reason to think he won't be doing that, but I definitely think this is a whole nother animal. You get really hyped up for that Dallas game. They were unprepared. That just was classic Dallas. The 49ers are not going to be unprepared. They're trying to go for gold this year like they have been all year so their defense is going to be a little more tightened up and I think love is just going to have to keep up that momentum and keep up that confidence because he deserves it he's slinging the ball around and if he does 
I, I love the Packers in a shootout because the Packers just kind of have that weapon, those weapons that are just going to never let up because they're, they're in this position. They're a seven seed. They stumbled into the playoffs after a couple things happened. So I, I, I just love when Jordan Love. It's kind of like the C.J. Stroud analogy in the last couple games. If these young quarterbacks can keep up the momentum, there's no reason why they can't win the game. And there's no real statistical analysis on that other than they're just throwing more touchdowns than interceptions. So that is that there. I want to jump into the X factor. Actually, speaking of, you know, Jordan Love there, it's not Jordan Love, unfortunately, though, for any Packers fan. The X factor is is Ward, the DB for the 49ers. He makes game-changing plays weekly. He's not one of those corners that people don't throw away from. But when they do, I always wonder, I'm like, why did they throw his way all game? Because he's just making plays after plays. I understand you can make a couple on this guy. He's not Darrell Revis, But he, if he can shut down his side of the field, make it hard for anyone to really throw right or throw left, depending on who he lines up on. I'm interested to see if he's more on Dobbs or Jaden Reed. He can cover both is what I'm saying. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to target them because, like I said last week, Gilmore was a little banged up. Bland is all bigger, big time or bust when it comes to you know play type, and he was able to exploit that. Now the 49ers are a lot more sound when it comes to their secondary, so I'm interested to see if he's able to kind of take away a part of the field or a couple of receivers. That's going to be a huge factor for the 49ers because I don't know how Love does when he turns the ball over. Because he hasn't turned the ball over really much at all. And I expect, though, with a young quarterback, when you turn the ball over, things can kind of get a little rocky. So look out for him. I think he's number seven on uh, the 49ers there. And you're going to hear his name a lot on the during this game. Now, here is my fourth bullet point. It's kind of a question to the audience. When you have a shootout, who do you want on your team? Jordan Love? Or Brock Purdy? I'm going to give you a few seconds. You're probably like, hmm, that's a good question. Thank you, first of all. That's what I do. I try to prepare these things for you. Second of all, I think people are going to say Jordan Love, right? I know the whole Brock Purdy bandwagon for MVP. He's done so much. He's done all of it. I agree. He's not going to win the MVP. Sorry. But if you're in a... If you swap Jordan Love into that offense, are you a little bit happier right now? Probably. That's kind of how, like, it, I heard this the other day on the Ryan Rosillo podcast, and I think this this is definitely not even near this comparison, but I think it's important. He essentially said the Jokic versus Embiid debate is always interesting to him because if Philly fans read the news the next day and it said, uh, Nikola Jokic got traded to the 76ers for Joel Embiid. Would 76ers fans be upset? And you sit there and you're like, wait, probably not. Because Jokic is definitely better than Embiid. Even though Embiid is still amazing, you're still taking Jokic when it comes down to ability, late game stuff, etc. And that's a super, super loose comparison. Feel free to roast me for this. But with Jordan Love and Brock Purdy... The momentum, the way things are, the arm talent, the ability. I'm taking Jordan Love when it comes down to 
you have a final drive. Now, this is barring who you have on your team. I know Brock Purdy has the better weapon. So by default, you want to say Brock Purdy, but you take, you just switch them. I'm taking Jordan Love over Brock Purdy if the roles were reversed in terms of teams. And I think that's really important here. Brock Purdy can hang with the best of them, but so can Jordan Love. That's essentially what I'm saying. So I don't think the 49ers want to get in a shootout. If they could keep it low scoring, get a turnover or two, get up by two touchdowns, that's Brock Purdy's best type of game. And that kind of goes into my last bullet point here. So hang with me while all you Purdy guys are like, I'm still rocking Purdy here. Again, I'm not trying to dog on the guy here. I'm just posing a question that Jordan Love is coming into this game hot. So the 49ers, here's your, here's your last bullet for this entire episode. 49ers are 10-1 and one when McCaffrey runs for 75 yards or more. Do I need to say any more? I mean, it's not like we just said McCaffrey when he runs for 20 yards or more. 75 yards a game for a running back in today's NFL. That's a good game. That's a really good game. You would be excited for that. You'd be excited for that. So they're, what I'm trying to say is their game, it's, it's a system for lack of a better word. They run it a lot. They give McCaffrey a lot of dink and dunks that don't even count for rush yards, by the way, because it's a throw. And so you you just the 49ers have the edge because they just have that head-to-head matchup that I think is really important to talk about. But I want Jordan Love to get the praise that he deserves for the season that he's had after all the controversy with, you know, the Aaron Rodgers and him getting drafted and was he ever gonna play? People were talking about shipping him out to a different team. And so shout out to Jordan Love for what you've done. And Brock Purdy, this is kind of, you know, another test for you to be able to show that this year and last year wasn't a fluke. And I know we're going to keep saying that until I think he wins a Super Bowl is when that's going to stop or he's in a different system. But that's just how the cookie crumbles when you're drafted into a great position uh, like the 49ers. But he's been nothing but great to prove that he deserves to be the starter there. So I'm interested to see. But I wanted to call it out that Christian McCaffrey is really the MVP of this team. And if they're going to win this game, they need to run the ball. And with that, that kind of went on a a different tangent. I didn't really even, I'm just lost in my own head right there after trying to finish, wrap that point around. This is why we're doing this. I'm trying to get better at it. But all of that is to say, I'm taking the 49ers in this game. And believe me, Jordan Love fans and Green Bay fans, if Jordan Love was on the 49ers, I'd be taking that the 49ers as well. So don't get me wrong. Love Jordan Love. So taking the 49ers, taking the Lions as well. Expect them to face off in the NFC Championship. I'm taking the Bills, taking the Ravens to face off. And just like that, I picked all of the, the, the better teams in terms of the rankings and the odds and the home teams and whatnot. But it, I, I just think that's how the playoffs usually crumble. The wild cards like the, the first round of the March Madness. But once we get to, you know, the Sweet 16, the Cinderella stories start to die off. Loose analogy. Again, I'm, I'm getting really loose with them, but may, hey, maybe that made a lot of sense. But that is kind of my predictions today. I appreciate everyone that's still listening to this. Shout out to you. Shout out to Threads as always. 
best community for anybody that likes talking about sports, make sure to jump onto threads. I'm on threads, as I just kind of mentioned, at Griffin underscore proc, first name, last name, super easy. Give me a follow, let's connect. Love talking with the community. I'd be threading every single day uh, on all my topics. Some people like them, some people don't. That's how sports talk goes. So shout out to everyone there and shout out to anyone that's still listening. Like I've said for like the fifth time within this last minute. So sorry for doing that. I just don't have an outro yet. So you're just going to hear me blabber until I stop. But with that, enjoy your weekend. Kick back, put your feet up, enjoy these games and can't wait to review the NFC and AFC championships next week. So cheers, everyone.